Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five. We're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Curry for three off a handoff from Draymond. That's true. And the Warriors lead by 7, 30 to 23. And Draymond Green with that assist has now tied Rick Barry. Fourth on the all-time Warrior list. And it's something that's all too common with the Warriors. The Draymond dribble handoff to Steph, who knocks it in for a three as he went on to have 42 points in three quarters. And I just got to say, as the Warriors absolutely crushed the Oklahoma City Thunder 147-109 to and are now one game under five hundred as the race for... The play-in game becomes much more interesting, but I feel bad for that Thunder team that was rolled out there. Now, you know, I thought a majority of the team played very, very well, right? But it's Steph who we are going to be talking about yet again because even though in that last game he set that record passing Wilt Chamberlain on the all-time Warriors scoring list... Well, he continues to be the first player in NBA history to do something specific. So we'll get to uh, what those stats are in just a second. But the team that the Thunder were rolling out there, I mean, a bunch of players who you most likely have never heard of, Theo Maladon, Darius Baisley, Isaiah Roby you might have heard of, Moses Brown, and then Mikhail Luke. I'm not even going to attempt to try and pronounce the first name. And then, you know, Ty Jerome off the bench. He's a nice piece, but he was, you know, two for nine and only making 10 points yesterday. Uh, and of course, they sat their star in Shea Gilgis Alexander, the guy that they're hoping to build around, one of the best young players in the game, as well as Alexei Pokushevsky, who I really wanted to see play, but he got hurt on Saturday and hasn't been in since. So that's really what I just hoped for <laughs> was, 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 uh, it was at least to see maybe Pokushevsky and say Gil- Shea Gilgis Alexander, but SGA has been out for a little bit and Pokushevsky out since Saturday. So the starting y- lineup that they went out there with yesterday was just, I mean, <laughs> I haven't heard of any of these guys. And I kind of felt bad for him because in the first quarter, you know, the Warriors and the Thunder, they were kind of going shot for shot. Um, it ended up being 36 to 32. And really, it was the second unit that ended up being the difference. Uh, Jordan Poole, coming off the bench, had a really nice game yesterday. And he had 17 points of, on, on 13 shots. And I think that with time, we know how flashy Jordan Poole can be, but with time, he'll learn to control that flash. When to be that kind of player. Because yesterday he was just doing, you know, all sorts of stuff. I think that he does a real good job of just, you know, penetrating to the room, penetrating to the rim, excuse me, possibly dishing it out for an open three in the corner. Or, of course, he can do a give and go where 
he gets a pit, he gets a screen and roll and you know he ends up fading for a three. He can do all sorts of stuff and he had a really nice game yesterday on uh, 25 minutes on the floor. But look, after all this Thunder team, they're not a very good team and you know defensively starting lineup in the for the Warriors actually was kind of letting the Thunder uh do a little bit at the rim. You know, they were letting them through, letting them pass. Now, obviously, the three-point shooting wasn't that great, but still, in the first quarter, that's when it was the most entertaining. And then in the second quarter, that's when it all went to hell. And then Steph Curry scores 25 points in the third quarter. And at what point, what are the Thunder supposed to do there? I mean, the, the Warriors put up, what, 125 through three quarters? That's insane. That's just nuts. I don't even know how they did that. And and it's like Steph putting up 42 through three. And, you know, he also scored 11 three-pointers in this game. And before we get to the stats regarding Steph and this game, because there is something significant uh, regarding this one, but here's Steph... Just talking about this stretch that he's had of games where he just seems to be on a tear. Context of seasons are always different, but this is the obviously the numbers. 30-plus and all that, it's obviously the longest streak, so that's a good vibe there. Arguably the best I felt physically and in rhythm, shooting the ball, just seeing the game. So trying to make it last as long as I can. And then here's Draymond after the game talking about uh, Steph's play for this entire month. He's been great. You know, obviously, like you said, I've seen that a lot of years. You know, so I can kind of tell when he comes out, just the look in his eyes, the, you know, attacking from the beginning, you know, what type of night it's going to be for him. So, you know, he's had that a lot lately. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to, to help him and turn that into wins. Now, let me go down the list just as, as far as points scored. From this game down to the game where he returned from the tailbone injury. And, of course, he missed one in between that. He missed that game on the Friday against the Raptors where they lost by 53. So we're not going to count that one. But let's go down the list. We're going to go from the most recent game of the schedule to back all the way to the end of March. 42, 53, 38, 32, 41, 37, 36, 32. He hasn't scored below 30 points this entire month. He's been averaging 39 points a game on 55% shooting, and wait for it, 49% from three on 13 three-point attempts a game. Those numbers are insane. And, And what I'm talking about here, where when I'm talking about setting records and being the first player in NBA history to do all these different things. Steph Curry is the first player in NBA history to have multiple streaks of 10 three-point games in his career. He's hit 10-plus threes in back-to-back games tonight and once in 2016. The most most threes in a game in fewer than 30 minutes played, Steph Curry had 11 last night. Danielle Marshall had 12, and actually Clay Thompson leads that one with 14. But Steph Curry, with back-to-back 10 three-point games this season, and the only other player to do that was James Harden back in 2019. And if you go back and look at it, I mean, he's averaging damn near the same amount of threes that Steph is, and is was not knocking them down at nearly the clip that Steph is knocking them down at. Yeah, the only two straight 10-3 games that he ever had, he was 10 for 18 against Cleveland, and then 10 for 15 against Orlando. That was back in 2019, and that's James Harden. But the way that Steph Curry has been playing as of late, I mean, the three-pointers alone. He's had 10 of 18 against the Nuggets, and then 11 of 16 last night. He was 10 of 19 against the Magic back at the beginning of February. He was 11 of 19 against the Mavericks. I mean, multiple games where he's made 10-plus three-pointers. You can never get over that. 
And the way that he was playing last night, he was juking guys, going through multiple defenders. They were all trying to double-team him, trying to trap him, do all those different things. But they just could not uh, stop Steph Curry. But one thing he was close to, he was on the verge of it, 11 three-pointers in this game, and he was on the verge of... I mean, if he would have played in that fourth quarter, there was no need to play him in that fourth quarter because they'd already put up 125 points, and you don't want to just go chasing records with the risk of possibly having your superstar get injured. But he could have broken that record, is my guess, if the game was a little closer and they actually needed Steph. And, of course, the record was set by Clay with 14. Uh, But here is Steph when he was asked if he wants that three-point record back from Clay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I was I was kind of joking with some of the guys tonight because I remember Chicago and he did it in three quarters. And I was like, a night like tonight where I had it really going in the third. Two things. One, his 37-point quarter is even crazier because I had 25 tonight. just seemed like I was invincible out there. This dude had 12 more points and the same amount of time. So that, that was crazy in and of itself. But then the 14 threes, like I had 11 and felt like I couldn't miss. So I think it's gettable, but we'll see. So the MVP, and, and Anthony Slater pointed this out, the MVP, uh, Golden State Warriors insider, the MVP is just, it's kind of out of reach for Steph at this point, seeing is that he's on a team that's going for a uh, play-in game. And, MVPs are most likely involved with teams that are within the top of the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference, not necessarily ones that are in the ranking toward the 10th or 11th seed, depending on what happens here. But, um, you know, and from the 574, if the Warriors make the playoffs, Curry should be this year's MVP. Not a single person in this league is doing more on a nightly basis to put their team in a position to win. And, I don't know if that's necessarily true because, you know, we're watching Steph every night, right? And we know the impact that he has on this team. He's the reason. I mean, look, those points, they speak for itself. And I'm with you, 574. I I really am. And I hate the idea that an MVP must come from a team that is contending at least for some sort of uh, top spot within the conferences, and it it's, doesn't have to necessarily be the number one, but within the top five, most likely. And that's why all these other names are always being brought up besides Steph. Um, and you look at what Joel Embiid's doing right now. Joel Embiid is, has put the 76ers over the top, and he's really put that team on his back. I know they got Ben Simmons, but there's been a stretch where Ben Simmons was absolutely cold, and Joel Embiid came, Joel Embiid came back and just started putting up 30 points a night and being incredibly valuable to that team. But he's damn close to having being the leading scorer in the league right now. Bradley Beal is averaging 31 points a game, while Steph is averaging 30.7. So he could get the scoring title by the end of the year. But I don't know if MVP is just going to be in the cards because he's not on a winning team and, and really... I don't know if they care too much about a team that's just contending for a play-in spot. But 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. There was one sequence in this game that didn't involve Steph that happened to be my favorite one. And this was going toward the end of the second quarter when the game was starting to slip away and they were damn near down by 30 at this point. But here was my favorite sequence from this game last night. Baisley puts it on the deck, stumbles, reaches up with a right-hand scoop that doesn't fall. Draymond with a rebound, falls backward over Baisley. Curry finds Damian Lee, right side triple, catch and shoot, that's money. Cold hard cash for Damian Lee, and the Warriors have it going here in the first half against this very young OKC squad. Up 24. Well done off the screen, guarded by Mulder. Tries to drive on him, takes him down, slows down, ball stripped out of bounds by Mulder. Now that call did not make it seem like it was very exciting, but to me, when you have Draymond, when you have a guy try to go one-on-one against him, try to penetrate, and Draymond just doesn't let him do anything, then good defense, 
turns into offense. Damian Lee hitting a three from the corner. And then you get back on defense. Michael Mulder's going one-on-one with this dude and is, with great footwork, stays with Maisley, who's trying to get to the hoop, and just completely strips the ball away uh, from him. And the ball goes out of bounds, reset. They give the Warriors time to, you know, uh, to to convene and actually, uh, you know, draw up a defensive play maybe on the inbound. I just think that that was my favorite sequence yesterday because I feel like that represents what the Warriors need to do in the future if they want to help Steph get these dubs as he's averaging 38 points a game since returning back from that tailbone injury. It's just because it was all done without Steph, that specific sequence. Now, it made it 72-48. to 48. I know they're going up against the Oklahoma City Thunder, who were just out there with essentially a bunch of G-leaguers. But, look, there was no doubt that that play, to me, signifies what the Warriors need to be going forward. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything Today, we'll continue talking a little Warriors on the other side. Plus, we got some Giants baseball to get to as they got the win over the Reds, taking the series two games out of three. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. We'll get to all that next. Stephen Langford on the pregame show, ninety five seven. The game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if they want to weigh in on anything today. This is from Kurt Napa. Nice guy. Did you get all greens today? I sure as hell didn't. Wish I got some of that nice guy luck. I love inside jokes. Love to be a part of one someday. No, I did not, Kurt. I did not get all greens this morning. Monday through Wednesday, it was three days running. I was feeling good. Three days running of getting into the city. Getting off 101 North. Right onto the 4th Street exit. The last exit to get into San Francisco. And I hit all greens. And I did that Monday through Wednesday. Got right into the building. Took me about five minutes. Today, we are back to red lights only. That's it. Big sad about it. But feel free if you want to weigh in. Uh, from the 510, if Clay was healthy, the Warriors are a top three seed. Maybe. Maybe. That's such a big if, though. I mean, I can agree. Yeah. Sure. It's just a hypothetical that makes me sad at this point, though. Because Steph is legitimately having one of the best seasons of his career, even though he had two straight MVPs. A unanimous MVP, too. That's saying something for what Steph has been doing. 42 points through three quarters. Now, again, I know it's the Thunder, and I'm sure... A lot of you felt like you maybe had something better to do last night after the third quarter once Steph was done and you knew that he wasn't going to be coming off the bench and you saw that the Warriors scored, what, 125 points through three? I mean, 11-16 from the three-point line. But overall, it wasn't just Steph either. It wasn't just Steph. And I don't know why they can't do this against the better teams. Maybe it's just because I'm not going to act like I've seen every single or I've understood whether every single attempt is contested or not. But from the three-point line, the Warriors overall shot 51%, and they made 24 of them. Now you compare that to the Thunder, they barely attempted 24. They only attempted 27 three-pointers, and they made seven of them. So yesterday, it wasn't just Steph, but the entire team was clicking. However, it is Steph who right now is averaging 30.7 points a game, which would be 
his career high if the season ended today. The second up is from that uh, 2015-2016 season, uh, the championship season, uh, where he averaged 30.1 points a game. Also averaged two steals that season. How about that? That was the most he's ever averaged in his career. But he would be, if the season ended today, this would be his best season as far as scoring the basketball. And it's not only that, but it's the efficiency at which he's doing it. Again, 38 points a game on 50% shooting from the three-point line on damn near 14 attempts a game. That's nuts. No, players, Some players do not even like look at that and think, I would have done that in my career. None. They would barely even attempt seven three-pointers a game. You know, there was a quote from Steve Nash the other day who said he wished that, you know, looking at Steph and seeing how well he's doing, he wished that he would have shot more for three-pointers. If you look back on Steve Nash's averages, I mean, he would he would maybe make three or four a game, but he barely averaged six or seven. And Steph is averaging twice as many as that, but he's also knocking them down at a 50% clip. And, you, you know, there's just nobody in the league, and this is why I consider him, uh, as far as anybody in the NBA, to be the one guy that I'd want to watch right now because those 30 points that he's averaging this year and what he's done as of late, I think it also needs to be addressed that he is also being defended like no one else before. Having to move off ball to try and get open, be physical, be violent going through screens in order to get an open look. Some of them, he'll just dribble between two defenders and just knock down a three anyway, no matter who it is guarding them. But the way he's been defended, I think, you know, when we look back at the box scores from, you know, 10 years into the future and we look back at the box score from Steph Curry's 2021 season, one thing that we're going to have to keep in the back of our minds is the way that he was guarded does not show on the stat sheet. It does not show how many times that he was double or triple teamed the game. This dude is is just unbelievable. And let me just read off those stats one more time uh, as far as making history because we already saw him make history, right? We saw him pass Wilt Chamberlain on the Warriors' all-time scoring list. And again, 17,818 by that game. He just tacked on another 42. <laughs> He's got 17,860 points total as a Warrior so far. And it's only going to climb with 17 games, more, uh, 17 games left in the season. But this was the stat that stood out yesterday. Steph Curry is the first player in NBA history to have multiple streaks of games where he makes 10 or more three-pointers in his career. He's hit 10 plus threes in back-to-back games last night and tonight and once back in 2016. So he's doing things that he hasn't done in the past few years when healthy, with the roster that's been constructed around him without James Wiseman, having Kevon Looney and Kent Bazemore being without Kelly Oubre as well. I mean, by the way, a little sidetrack here. I mean, Kelly Oubre's fit yesterday. I don't know about you, but I thought that was on point. What do they call that? The Canadian jumpsuit where he had the denim on denim, but he had the Pikachu on his jeans with the red shirt. And I think they were supreme or something like that. I mean, the dude was looking fly yesterday. <laughs> you know, you go from, you know, you got James Wiseman who will wear a South Park and uh, a, a friend's hoodie. But then you go on to Kelly Oubre who's wearing all denim uh, with Pikachu on the, on, the, on the right leg. That fit was sick yesterday. But the things that Steph is doing with who is on the floor, I, I do think that that's also something we need to take into account for this season as well. But there's not enough good things you could say about the dude. There really isn't. And when he's hot scoring, 
the other team feels like the other guys on the team feel like they need to keep up. They don't want to be the ones left behind when Steph is damn near <laughs> breaking the three point record in a game through three quarters. I mean, he had eleven. Clay obviously broke it with fourteen uh, through three, but. I mean, the other team wants to keep up. The other guys on the team do, and that's going to emanate over into next season. However, I do wonder about small ball with this team. And it does give me some question marks going forward because when they didn't have Wiseman and Looney on the floor at the same time and they went through the month of February without a big man, they were running with the small ball crew. They were running with JTA, uh, at the four or at the five, and he would switch with Draymond, depending. Um, you know, the front court would change within the game. You know, you'd have you'd count Draymond as a center. Sometimes you count JTA as a center, whatever it may be. But when they would go five out, that's when Draymond seems to be at his best running the offense, and it seems to be where the Warriors are at that at their best, moving off ball, understanding when to penetrate and creating space just by knocking down the threes. And that's what ultimately won them the game yesterday. Not just because, you know, they went, uh, not just because they went up against a team in the Thunder who are in a rebuild and the guys that they are hoping to build around weren't even in that game. So really you're just going up against essentially the Warriors from last season. A bunch of guys that, not many people have really heard of. But still, the way that the Warriors have been moving the ball lately, the way they did it in February, we'll see how they close out the season. Uh, But, you know, you you do scratch your head a little bit and you wonder, huh, is this team just better overall if they're playing with a small ball lineup? Maybe not on defense and maybe against a team that actually has... Uh, guys who can score, you know, and if they had Shea Gilgis Alexander and Alexei Pokushevsky in the game, their rookie, maybe it would have been a little different um, because they were in it in the first quarter. But the second unit ultimately is what made the difference uh, in the in, in the uh, in the game in the start of the second quarter. From the five one zero, nobody wants to admit it, but we all know Steph is an alien. That's the only way to explain what he does. Dude is not from here. <laughs> that is branded from Oakland. And it goes back to what I was mentioning after that record-breaking game, uh, uh, you know, where he beat Wilt's record and he scored 53 points on that night. And a lot of the sentiments that I've echoed throughout the season are we might not see something like this for 15, 20 years. I was being optimistic about it. But when you take all of the factors into account that we've talked about during this segment, the types of defense that they're throwing at him and the roster that's constructed around him as far as scoring the basketball, I mean, they're a good defensive team. They really are. You know, they they understand what to do. Sometimes they might be a, lot, a little out of place, but overall, I think they are a good defensive team. But when you take those factors into account with Steph and the way that he's doing it, I don't know if we're going to see anything like this ever, ever. So we really, really got to enjoy this. And maybe I should have included him in my conversation that I had, what was it, last year? It was a year ago when, you know, Area 51 was going to be stormed. And I asked which players in sports are most likely an alien just because they're athletic beyond measure and we don't really we can't really contemplate what it would be like to be one of these guys. Maybe I should have added Steph Curry to the list. <laughs> Maybe I should have. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line of the phone number for the five one zero. Ubre is Mister Swag for sure, but Wiseman will get there with a few years in the league. I agree. Yeah, get some money in the pocket. It's it, and, and, and as the league continues to be trending more in the the league fit direction, uh, that's what it's all about now. I think Wiseman will get there too. But I like hey hey South Park in the Friends hoodie. I'm not hating. That's exactly that's exactly the type of thing I would wear. I mean hell, I'm wearing a Powerline shirt. If you don't know who Powerline is, that's the singer from a Goofy movie. So 
I'm not going to be anyone to criticize anybody's fashion. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Going to shift gears and talk a little baseball and what the Giants did against the Reds yesterday afternoon. However, there is one thing that happened in basketball last night, and it was the biggest moment of the night, and it did not involve the Warriors. However, it did impact the Warriors. We'll get to what that moment was next. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number. Stephen Lightfoot in on the pregame show. Ninety five seven the game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. From the 510, this is interesting. The Friends hoodie is worth about four or 500 Stephen. The company is called P-Loan, started by ASAP Rocky. Interesting. Had no idea. I mean, if a friend sweatshirt, if you're going to pay four or 500 for it, I mean, might as well do it with a brand that's involved with ASAP Rocky, who's one of the coolest dudes in the hip-hop game right now. But 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. A lot wanting to talk about Steph within the MVP conversation at this point. And I do think that that's an interesting conversation. We'll get to that uh, a little later on in the program. But there were a couple of cool moments to happen in sports. And I also want to talk about the the Giants and their series win over the Reds. But last night in the NBA, you had a moment yesterday that impacted the Warriors that wasn't involved with the Warriors versus Thunder game. Take a listen. This is courtesy of the Dallas Mavericks radio network. Dodgers comes and gets it. Got a bounce and will fling it on up. And he hit it! He hit it to put the game in overtime! He was crouching when he let it go! Maybe a three. Was he behind the line? I don't know if he was behind the line. I'm not sure of that. They're going to check. The Maverick bench exploding. Tim Hardaway's putting up three fingers to see if it's a three-pointer. That's oh, he did! He did go behind the line. He just won the game. Luca just won the game with an incredible shot as he split the double team of Brooks and Valanciunas and leaning in to score. I don't know how the hell he did it. I don't know how Doncic did it. Split between two defenders. You remember that throw from Patrick Mahomes? It ended up being incomplete, but you saw the still picture of it where. He's rolling out to his right, then he dives and is essentially parallel to the ground and somehow manages to sling the football. And I think he hit Tyreek Hill in the face or one of his players in the face. It felt like everyone was getting hit in the face on the Chiefs in that Super Bowl. But you know what throw I'm talking about. It's one of the greatest incompletions, if not the greatest incompletion that we've ever seen. Well, that's something similar that we saw with Dodgich last night, hitting the game winner. He was... Damn, he was he was at like a 45-degree angle, and he still managed to get it from three. And you heard the Mavs announcers there. They had no idea whether it was a two-point shot or a three-point shot, and it ended up putting them up one, and they won the game. But here's the key here. The team that they did it against was the Memphis Grizzlies, who are right now the team ahead of the Warriors as the Warriors are the ninth seed right now in the Western Conference, and the Grizzlies are the eighth seed. The Grizz, they had a chance to gain a game on the Mavs, and really, that game-winning shot by Luka, that could have proved to have been the turning point as far as what can happen within the Western Conference. Because how the playing works, if you're a seven or eight seed, all you got to do is win that game, whoever you're playing, and you get the seventh seed. Boom. It's a lock. Whoever loses that game has to go on to whoever wins in the ninth or tenth seed, depending on who wins that game. So 
if you are in the seventh or eighth spot, that's the advantageous position to be in when it comes to the play-in tournament because you have the luxury of possibly losing a game All you need, because all you need to do is win one. And instead of gaining a game on the Mavs, now instead of being one and a half games up, or excuse me, half a game up, now they're two and a half games back. And the Grizz are currently one game ahead of the Warriors, and the Warriors are going up against the Cavs today at 5 o'clock, and then they could go on to face the Celtics, the 76ers, and the Wizards to end this road trip. And if you can go 2-2 two and two to close out this road trip, then you're looking pretty good within the Western Conference standings there. And, you know, the Spurs, they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They're not looking too great. The Mavs continue to stay hot. We'll see what happens with the Pelicans. They've been an incredibly inconsistent team. So last night proved to be a huge game winner uh, from Luka Doncic, and that impacts the Warriors by a massive amount because he's playing games besides the Mavs. It looks like the Mavs are going to be the seventh seed. I don't know if the Warriors can gain the three and a half games uh, that the Mavs have on them right now and the way that the Mavs are playing. I mean, it it looks like it's going to be a battle between the Blazers and the Mavs with the six and the seventh seed. However, the Warriors could make a push and possibly get that eighth seed. And I think that even though it's sad to say, and As a Warrior fan, knowing how they've done these past few years, you know, not being in championship contention anymore, it sucks. We've been around for the tough times. We've been around for the crappy woods where they weren't even involved in this sort of situation where they'd be winning 27 games in a single year. But right now, it looks like the ceiling for the Warriors is possibly getting that eighth seed after Doncic hit that game winner last night. So that's where we're at. From the 510, my bad. Jeez, I mean, I'm getting all these fashion tips here. Nice guy, it's a Canadian tuxedo, not jumpsuit. That's Mike, the Bay rep. I'm sorry, Mike. Canadian tuxedo. I always forget that one. I got a denim jacket. I got jeans. I'm way too nervous to wear both of them at the same time. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you, but, you know, fashion's all about confidence, right? You got to go out there and you just got to rock it. And that's what Kelly Oubre did last night uh, in the Warriors with the Warriors as he was on the bench with the Pikachu on his leg. Haven't seen something like that, but the dude looked fly, in my opinion. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's move on to baseball. And before we get to the Giants' win over the Reds uh, yesterday afternoon, and the thing that continues to impress me most about the team, uh, let's just get to a cool moment that happened in sports yesterday. Take you over to Chicago as they faced the White Sox, that is, as they faced the Cleveland Indians, and this happened. Rodon to third. Moncada. Carlos Rodon has thrown a no-hitter. After everything he's been through, the elbow and the shoulder were supreme. On April 14th, 2021. Credit NBC Sports Chicago for that audio. Carlos Rodon of the White Sox threw a no-hitter yesterday. It was damn close to being a perfect game. And it was almost an Armando Galarraga situation. It really was. Because, <laughs> because there was a close play at first. And they had to put it to replay and it turned out that the runner was out at first, but he could have they could have easily just gotten that replay call wrong and he could have been safe. But he got him out, still had the perfect game going, and then with one out, throws a breaking ball. He's a lefty going up against a right handed batter, throws a breaking ball inside, skids off the dude's toe. Perfect game gone, but the no-hitter still intact, and then he manages to get out of the inning. Uh, just a pretty cool moment because so far in the season, we've had two no-hitters and also a complete game by another Chicago White Sox in Lance Lynn. So you know, I'm not going to say sit here and say baseball's changing before our very eyes, but I will say that we're at least getting some complete games and we're seeing some pitchers go deeper into games. And actually... Tomorrow, 
Um, we're going to go over this a little more because we got a ton of stuff to get to today with the Warriors and the Giants. However, I do think that these rule changes that baseball can implement, they can be fascinating, and they're actually going to be put to the test this year in the Atlantic League, and we'll go through those rule changes tomorrow, and I'm really excited to talk about them because I do find them fascinating. But too much local stuff to talk about today as the Giants beat the Reds again yesterday, and they do it with pitching. Got him, and that's the ball game. McGee throws a fastball by Suarez, and the Giants end up taking two out of three, and they have a very nice homestand. How about that? Johnny Cueto with six strong innings, and after striking out, uh, I forgot who was at the plate. I think it was Castellanos who was at the plate, but after striking him out, it was Castellanos. After striking him out, Johnny Cueto takes himself out of the game, and it proved to be some soreness in his lat, as they say, even though it's the latissimus dorsi, as I go one semester one semester of anatomy on you. Got a B-minus in that class. What up? But the latissimus dorsi on his right side, which is just essentially the backside of the shoulder, the muscle there, and he took himself out of the game. We'll see uh, if he starts when he's supposed to start uh, in the next five days, but uh, that remains to be seen. Hopefully he's okay, but Johnny Cueto with yet another just confident outing, one where he's just always shimmying, he knows the location, and something that I think kind of goes unrecognized here is that he is working with Kurt Casale, the new catcher for the Giants, and Buster Posey wasn't in the squat yesterday. Now, Buster Posey probably should be, but if Johnny Cueto is able to pitch the way he did with Kurt Casale, you can expect that he could pitch that way with Buster Posey as well. And I think that should give you a little hope going forward in the season. And we'll see if, you know, maybe that's the tandem. If that's the time where Gabe Papler decides, hey, I want Kurt Casale in uh, catching with Cueto. Maybe Cueto likes him better. Maybe he does, even though I know he loves Buster, and we've heard him sing the highest of praises for Buster, but he also went an entire season without playing with Buster. And, you know, we'll see what happens uh, going forward here with Casale. And, you know, of course, they had to play Buster in that home opener with Cueto's last start. Uh, So we'll see what goes on uh, forward there. But there's one other thing that continues to impress me about this team, and it is the defense And yesterday, you see what a defensive blunder can do on what seemed like a fundamental play where Jonathan India, the second baseman for the Reds, was rolling out to his left and and trying to snag the baseball. And here's that play. Casale hits it with Slater breaking for the plate. Suarez throw, he's safe. Got a good jump and a slide straight through home plate. 2-0 Giants. It's not an easy play because that play is to your back. You don't know where that throw is going. You just go on the catcher where he positions himself. Stevenson kind of went up the first baseline, provided a little window on the third base side of home plate, and that's where Slater comes across with a toe touch. It's a great read and a tremendous jump from Slater. And credit NBC Sports Bay Area for that audio. Played the wrong one, but that was the, that was to make it 2 nothing. And that was Kurt Casale's hit to bring in Slater. Uh, But you saw to make it 3-0 in the eighth inning, Jonathan India, the second baseman for the Reds, I believe he's a rookie, uh, just botched the play. And they ended up getting a run home to make it 3-0 and give Jake McGee, uh, uh, McCheese, excuse me, Jake McCheese, the cushion that he needs uh, in order to get the win. But I I really think that we take for granted in baseball how well a defense can play. Now, look, of course, Cueto pitched well. You know, Tyler Rogers coming in, getting another hold, you know, doing his thing. Jake McGee coming in and getting the save. It's good that those pitchers are doing that, but there are fundamental plays that the Giants continue to make where last year there were a lot of boneheaded errors. There were a ton. And when the offense sometimes was going off, there would be an error on the defensive side, and that would somehow lead to disaster. 
And we've seen that happen with errors before. And we, we, the, the, the last error that I remember seeing, the last uh, crucial error that I remember seeing was Brandon Belt's error at first base when I believe it was Di Sclafani in. And Di Sclafani ended up getting him out of the inning. So it's not only that they're playing just sound, fundamental defense, not committing any errors, but it's also the fact that if they do commit an error so far, the pitchers have managed to get around it, and it hasn't ended in a loss and contributed to the Giants in a loss. Because these close games that they're playing in, these ones where, quite frankly, the bats aren't that great right now, I mean, sure, they're hitting a lot of home runs, and it's fun to see you know, Brandon Crawford with his bat wake up, and it's fun to see Buster Posey hit a, uh, hit a home run every now and then. Longoria has been really good. I'm not even going to count Longoria in that in, in that conversation. But you know, seeing Brandon Belt hit one to right field, all that stuff is well and good. But they haven't really been getting base hits as much as they need to get them. And quite frankly, that highlight that I played to make it two nothing, uh, Austin Slater's been big. Whenever he's been in the game, I feel like you know he's just so committed to playing baseball, <laughs> and you could tell that he's one of those guys that takes it real serious. You know, doesn't seem to have too much. Uh, it doesn't feel like he's out there to joke around. You know, Austin Slater is out there and he means business. It just, that's what it feels like whenever you're watching him and the things that he does, uh, in the batter's box continues to impress because he's one of the few guys who really sure he can hit for power every now and then, but he can also hit for contact, uh, whenever he's in and you can look at the last couple of days really. And he was a big reason as to why, the uh, Giants got the win over the Reds two nights ago with that 7-6 to six win. But he was also a big reason why they got that insurance run uh, to make it 2 nothing and continue to give these pitchers some cushion. So shout-out to Austin Slater, shout-out to the defense, and shout-out to the pitching. Something also that's interesting, and the stats do not speak to it anymore, but before these past couple of games before Gosman, you know, gave up the home runs. The Giants' starting staff had given up the least amount of home runs in the league. Their home runs per nine inning, it was .33, which is just a incredibly small number, which is good. And when you compare it to now in baseball. When all these guys are just hitting home runs, when you got, you know, like 40 to 50 home runs at least hit every week, and the Giants have barely given up any before that point, I, I do find that uh, do find that stat to be very interesting. And, and what the starters have done, also what the relievers have done lately too. They've just been, it's been a very, you know, complete season so far in my opinion sure the bats need to wake up but they're finding ways to win and if you're doing it with pitching and defense then i'm just going to assume that at some point uh, the bats can wake up for you but triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in as we get to what happened last night as the warriors absolutely crushed the thunder and we'll get to steph and what he did through three quarters, scoring 42 points. But I just want to play real quick my favorite sequence from this game. It was 69, nice, to 48. And this is what happened, and it started off on the defensive end for the Warriors and Draymond getting a stop. Baisley puts it on the deck, stumbles, reaches up with a right-hand scoop that doesn't fall. Draymond with a rebound, falls backward over Baisley. Curry finds Damian Lee, right side triple, catch and shoot, that's money. Cold hard cash for Damian Lee, and the Warriors have it going here in the first half against this very young OKC squad. Up 24. Holdon off the screen, guarded by Mulder. Tries to drive on him, takes him down, slows down, ball stripped out of bounds by Mulder. Now that call did not seem like much, but the score was 72-48 at the time, and Steph hadn't blown up for his 25-point third quarter yet because this was going into halftime, essentially. I think there was like just under two minutes left uh, going into it. But Steph was on the floor, and the reason that that was my favorite sequence from last night, among everything that went on with Steph, I mean, Steph individually is just amazing, but that sequence 
Draymond gets a stop. They go from the defensive end to the other side of the floor. They hit Damian Lee for an open three in the corner. And then they get back on defense, and Michael Mulder is the one doing the work, strips the ball out of bounds, gives the Warriors some time to compose themselves, and then they can go in on the inbounds and play defense from there and getting a little stop, getting, getting a chance to take a breath. And none of that involves Steph. And the reason that that was my favorite sequence is because I know it was against the Thunder. I realized it was against a team that really had no one that you'd ever heard of. Right, Shea Gil- Gilgis-Alexander, he's been out. Alexi, Pokus- Alexi Pokushevsky, one of the more underrated rookies in the league, he was out. But that sequence was without Steph, and next season, that's what the team's going to have to be, and not only next season, but for these final 17 games, as you are going to be playing for that eighth seed. I'm done just looking for a play-in spot. Now, after Luka Doncic hit that game winner against the Grizzlies and put the Warriors in more... Uh, of a position to get that eighth spot, I want them to get that playing spot with the eighth seed. And and by the way, as we continue to keep a look, the Rockets and the Timberwolves are chasing uh, that worst record in the NBA mantle. And I mean, it's it's neck and neck right now. The Rockets are fourteen and forty one, and the Timberwolves are fourteen and forty two. And we know that if the T Wolves have the worst record in the NBA, then that means there is a little more of a percentage chance that the Warriors and that top three protected pick could convey from the Timberwolves. So we'll keep an eye on that. But these standings, man, lately with the play-in game, it makes it all that more interesting in these final 17 games of the season as they continue against the Cleveland Cavaliers today on this road trip. Tip time at 5 o'clock, of course, pregame at 3.30. But coming up next, Shooty Babbitt going to be joining the show at 8.30. Cousin Nick Friedel at 8.50. And then James Laurinaitis at 9.20. So it's going to be a good show with the Morning Roast with Kate Scott, Bonte Hill, and Joe the Butcher Boy Shasty. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone, this morning. I'll be back tomorrow on Friday at 5 a.m. on 95.7 The Game. Tune into the Roast now.